Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. I'm very pleased to introduce you today to Ms. Lynn Legat. Lynn is the founder and CEO of Victory Dental Management LLCs and has over 25 years of business experience in several different industries, dentistry, medicine, pharmacy, sales, transportation, logistics, and practice management. Lynn has a fresh approach to coaching as a seasoned basketball coach of middle school teams to AAU teams. She understands that having employees does not equal a team. Creating teams from employees is an essential part of how she works with clients. She teaches dentists and managers how to actually coach their team, which transcends leadership in the dental practice. Sometimes dentists know what results they want in their practice, but they do not know how to get there. She explains what is needed so their goals are accomplished. Her passion is to help dental practices reach their full potential, increasing their productivity and profitability while enabling them to deliver the best patient care and customer experience. It is now my pleasure to bring you to my interview with Ms. Lynn Legat. Lynn, I am so excited to have you on the show today. Can't wait to introduce you to the audience. So if you would not mind, I would love it if you would start with your story and how you got into dentistry, because you don't have a dental background, but how did you get into it? It's great that you asked that question, because I used to work in so many different industries, whether it be transportation, logistics, the medical end, the pharmaceutical end. But how all of this started was my best friend asked me to run her husband's practice. And I really pushed back for, gosh, MJ, for the longest time, because I didn't want to mix my best friend working for my best friend. I've never done that before. And I always thought that those relationships should be almost siloed, you know, by themselves. And I'm so glad that she wore me down because her husband taught me dentistry and I taught him how to run a business since I have that particular business background. And it has been wonderful to be able to be a part of the dental industry. Wow. So when did this all come about and what are you doing today? Oh, this came back about years ago because I was looking, my kids, my children are 15 months apart to the day. And I was looking to get back into the workforce when they were, you know, itty bitties. And it just happened to, to work in, in that t- kind of time frame. They were still in preschool when I was looking into that. So I ran his practice as the, uh, the business manager. And what I'm doing today is I own my own company, Victory Dental Management. And I, I'm a dental coach and we'll t- I'm sure we'll get more into coaching and, and that whole game, if you will. But I've been owning my company. I should have done it years before I did, but I officially started it in 2012, but I was consulting with clients back in uh, 2008. Wow. What took you so long to start it? Actually, I, I had all these other opportunities that were put in front of me. And I thought, let me do that first. Uh, one of them was working with my twin sister running a pharmacy and, and my twins a pharmacist. So she would handle filling the prescriptions and I would handle everything else. And I'll be quite blunt with you. I learned very quickly, thankfully, at somebody else's financial expense, that she and I should never work together. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think many husbands and wives out there can say the same thing. (laughs) Why is there a little sibling rivalry? It's not that. It's that she's baby A and I'm baby B. And typically baby A is supposed to be more dominant, but I was always the dominant one. And it became just an environment where she was not going to play second fiddle to anybody. And it was very difficult for us, especially when we both were very stubborn, um, to dig our our heels in and not relent on anything in the work environment. And it wasn't appropriate, really, but we couldn't help ourselves. (laughs) And we were also roommates in college. So we were used to not caring who was around us when we decided to have our multiple spats every week. Oh my, I can just see it now. I actually went to college with my sister too. So I remember a few of those days myself. It's still that way. I mean, nobody else can say anything bad about her because they will have to get through me first. But I, she and I go at it still. But we talk to each other at least once a day, still. Oh, that's nice though. I mean, it's, it's good that you ever still have a close relationship, even though you may, you know, have these spur of the moment fireworks and, and that's just all a part of being a sibling, right? Yep. And, and twins just put an extra uh, layer on that, if you will. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So tell me what your area of expertise is. I mean, coaching is a very broad topic. So, you know, tell us a little bit more about your area of expertise and why, why do docs come to you specifically? They come to me because I love to teach leadership through coaching. That's one of the things that I think, especially when you're in dental school, that it's really fuzzy and dentists like things that are concrete, things that they can actually sink their teeth into and, and, and make happen immediately and, and have, you know, the linear lines drawn, if you will, on how to do that. So I use, I really fall back on my decades of coaching basketball to be able to teach them how to actually coach their team. Because if you're going to say you have a team, then what do you call the leader of a team? It's a coach. So shouldn't you know how to coach if you're going to call your team a team? And I find that that is a great way to take advantage of their natural tendencies, NJ, because every dentist I've ever worked with, they are encouragers and they are educators at the heart of who they are. So why not take a barrier of understanding leadership and take advantage of their natural tendencies by those two things? And the dentists that I work with find that it is so much easier for them to learn how to coach than they ever thought it was. And then the pain of HR and leadership and handling team members and things that are quite honestly out of the operatory, it's so much easier for them to handle and to be able to to replicate those things for the, not only now, but also in the future. Excellent. So I, I will say that having had my own practice for 20 something years, the HR piece of it is one of the most complicated pieces, you know, like I think I know most of my colleagues would agree if we could just do this on our own, we would, because all of the hassles and the headaches of having a team and dealing with personalities and issues and all that kind of stuff is, is very exhausting. It is. And, and it's no fun for you because your, your fun time is in the operatory. Everything else, not, not so much. 
No, no. And I, I see that too. One of the reasons why I went back to, to teaching was specifically because I had finished my MBA and I went back to teach about business principles because when I graduated from dental school, that was the biggest thing for me is that, you know, I had no idea that you needed to do a marketing analysis in order to figure out where to set up a practice. I just opened up my shingle right down the street from where I, I lived because I wanted my daughter to come after school. But little did I know that there was 45 other general dentists in the area. And I should have thought about that. Right. Right. So you live and learn and you learn by your mistakes. And I obviously some of the mistakes can be costly. And, you know, to prevent those mistakes is is really paramount as far as I'm concerned. Sure. Tell me a little bit more about what it's like to work with you as a coach. Do you go in? Do you do you meet with them one on one? Do you work with the team collectively? Do you have individual private coaching sessions with the, the dentist and then the team um, separately? You know, just give us a little bit more background on, on the coaching aspect. Sure. Well, everything that you said, I would mark D all the above because one thing that uh, we pride ourselves at Victory Dental Management is being able to create a custom plan for every practice. I do not believe in going through and using the same three ring binder for every practice because every practice is unique and the goals and the struggles that each practice has, they're going to be unique as well. So I will meet uh, with the dentist. My preferred way of doing it is to have an onsite and, and basically observe because I don't want to have any bias against the team. I actually don't want the doctor to tell me where those things are until I see things because I don't want to be biased. I want to be clean walking in, if you will. And we have a lengthy conversation before I ever go into the practice, just to see where, you know, where are the obstacles, because it's business. There's going to be obstacles. Things can always run smoother. And I believe conflict is one of those things we're human. We're going to have conflict, but how we deal with it is really going to be key because I look at dentistry maybe a little differently than most. I think you can boil it down into uh, dentistry is about relationships and about communication. And at the end of the day, that's where the trust is going to come from, from the patients. But then it also has to be from the doctor owner or the, uh, the team members as well. So it really boils down to do those two things for me. And, but, you know, there's a whole lot to unpack under those two headings as well. I couldn't agree with you more. So your, 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 um, strategy is mostly around the leadership part of it, not not so much the business principles, or is it both? All of it. All of it. I will handle general practice management from beginning to end. And I actually use, uh, when I'm on site and I look at their supplies and different things from a transportation standpoint, I love to get into uh, how much inventory do you have on hand? And is that too much? Is your cash flow tied up with all of those things? So trying to use all of my background in different industries to be able to help the doctor and their team right then and there. So you have a set of benchmarks that you work with? I do. It's one of those where, you know, there's industry standards, of course, but it's also the numbers tell a part of the story, but it's only a part of the story. Or as I like to say, it's only part of the math equation. I want to get all the variables in there to have the full word problem, if you will, for everybody to get together. And I think one of the one of the reasons that a lot of dentists like to work with me, and believe me, there's so many different coaches out there. I'm not going to be the perfect fit for everybody, and they're not going to be the perfect fit for me, and that is perfectly fine. It's trying to find the match that I'm more concerned with to make sure that somebody gets the help that they need. 
And I honor that MJ, because it takes a lot for somebody to say, Hey, I don't know the answer, but I need help, but I don't know where to begin. I love that. That's how I get entered into a lot of different conversations with dentists because they want to get to the next level or they know things aren't as smooth or they feel like they have too much stress in their life right now. How, how can I help them with all of those different things? Absolutely. So with your background in coaching, was it something that you had to go to school for? Or is it just something that you have learned over course of time? With the different industries that I've worked in, I've worked and sort of packaged my way um, in the dental field by using everything. Communication is a big basis of it. It's not something that I went to school for from a coaching standpoint, but after, after decades of getting girls ready to play college ball, I've got a good idea of, of coaching people and different personalities and everything else. I'm familiar with all the different personality tests out there. And that's one of the things that I, th- I think is key for people to understand their strengths because I'm, I coach from a very positive standpoint. I think the weaknesses are going to take care of themselves, but let's focus on the positive because I think too much in our society today, we're focused on the negative. We're focused on what brings us apart, not what puts us together. And I think that is a big difference with how I work with particular clients. I think that's an outstanding point because quite honestly, it, it is a negative world out there, right? And people are always looking at, at it from the perspective of, you know, what are you doing to me? And, and how can you, you know, how can I hurt you? And it's so much better if we're just collaborative and work together on things. You know, we get so much further when we can work together. I've had conversations recently with, with some dental hygienists that are really frustrated with their interactions with their teams and with their owner in, in particular. And there's this big chasm that exists and, you know, they can't really do their job if you're, you know, keeping them under pressure. You know, you got to allow each of us, the only purpose for us being here is to grow. And if you thwart growth from your team members, I think that you're running into a lot of problems. So I hope we can address that at some point. But, you know, I, I see it on a regular basis, especially having been a hygienist in the past. You know, I think a lot of what you just mentioned, it has to do with the fact that there's not a clear plan. If somebody is being held under or not able to blossom like they should, because um, that's one of the things I love to do is bring out the everybody's potential, whether it be a team member or a dentist, because that's what I do, which I love to see them not only succeed in the dental space, but then in their life away from dentistry, because that's when you know you've really made an impact. And I've seen it so many times that the instance that you mentioned about somebody, you know, keeping their thumb on somebody, it's because there's no trust and also because there's no plan and you've got to have a plan or else somebody can't rally around that. And then why are you calling yourself a team? Cause you're just a bunch of employees at that point. If the leader's not going to be able to say, Hey, here's the plan. I want everybody to rally behind because you're not helping yourself by not truly creating a teamwork environment by allowing that kind of, behavior to take place. Yeah. That's like a sailboat without a rudder. You know, they, they, there's no way to steer it. There's nowhere to go. You know, if you don't have a mission, a vision and some core values that you align on, you're not going to get anywhere. You're just going to keep going around in circles for sure. And that's the issue. And I think a lot of people consider that to be nice or fuzzy or what, I mean, there, I've heard that phrase so many different times about, you know, trying to label those things but it's just about bringing the practice structure. And if there's no structure 
for the non-clinical things, then how do you expect everybody to be on the same page? Stuff is gonna be falling between the cracks left and right, patients aren't gonna be taken care of. And of course the doctors are on the operatory thinking everything is fine. No, it's not. It could be burning down outside of the operatory. So those things are not just fuzzy, they're necessary for the success, not only of the doctor, but everybody involved, patients included. Yeah, they need to be aligned on everything. I, I totally agree with you. So what do you think, um, I think we'll shift a little bit away from what you're doing on a day-to-day basis and, and just ask some, some pointed questions. What do you think is the best piece of advice that you've ever received and, and who gave it to you? The best piece of advice that I ever got was you don't need to be an expert in every area. And that, that takes a lot to learn because you, you think you need to be. At 18, I was actually given the, uh, the opportunity to run, a uh, to run a business, actually. It has nothing to do with dentistry. I actually had the opportunity to do that, and I learned so much because my trajectory at that point from a college standpoint was to go on to pharmacy school. So I got the business bug before I ever got into college and of course, taking nothing but science and math for two years to get into pharmacy school all along, you know, I had that entrepreneurial, you know, tug, if you will, hey, there's something I want to do, but was it safe? It, it wasn't safe at that point. You know, you're, you're, you've got this goal of what you want to do on undergraduate and everything else. But um, that's one of the things that just has stick with, really stuck with me all of my life since 18, which has just, just been a few years, MJ. <laughs> You, you don't have to be the expert at everything, but you do need to go to who can you talk to in certain areas, like accounting. I hate accounting, but I know people that I need to go to as a business owner to be able to answer those questions. So I've learned how to trust other people in, in other areas. And, and that's good because that's how we all take advantage of our strengths, right? I agree with you. And it all starts with a base of trust. If you don't have trust and relation and a, a solid relationship with, with another person, you're not going to get anywhere either. I agree with you 100%. So with that, I'm just curious, because if somebody listening to this podcast is kind of on the outskirts of, of dentistry, what would you recommend for them to help them to start in a coaching business? Let's just say that they're dental assisting right now, they kind of like the business side of things, they're not sure they want to go back to business school. Can you give me some insight into what you would recommend for them? I think they need to determine, do they want to be a coach or do they want to be a consultant or do they want to be both? Because the manner in which you work within those two environments, I think is distinctly different. For me, a coach, let's start with a consultant. A consultant is going to be uh, typically a questions asked and they have the answer. It's almost like back to the biblical way of looking at things. Do, do I want to teach you how to fish or do I want to give you the fish? Mm -hmm. um, I prefer coaching, not only because it's very natural for me from a sports standpoint, but also from a, a mannerism standpoint of asking the right question at the right time and helping them self-discover what needs to happen. Because the more the client and, and team are involved in that process, the more they're gonna be able to have self-confidence, rely on their own judgment and to be able to go farther. Because my goal is not to stay with a client for 10 years. My goal is to get in, help them, whatever the issues may be from a custom standpoint, get out and help as many as I possibly can. So I guess that's the first question is decide, are you gonna be a coach or you can be a consultant or both? And then you need to sit back and say, you know, what can I bring to an office 
that makes me different than everybody else. Obviously, I don't, I've yet to meet anybody else that coaches basketball. So that is my unique selling proposition that if you're talking to me, I'm actually going to talk about coaching and we can talk, believe me, I've talked about every sport in the world. But the reason why I do this is because adults need to have a visual representation so that they remember if you, everybody knows what a coach does, but to be able to take the big picture and to break it down into smaller parts. How does that relate to all the other parts as well as to the whole? I love digging into that personally. So, but that's what a coach does. If I'm going to create plays on the floor, my drills that I have with my basketball teams better relate to the plays or else there's a disconnect. Same thing with my dental teams. If I'm going to have them work on certain, on certain things, there's got to be an end game to what that's going to be. So it all has to be related to, to one another. So I'm going to take a sidetrack here and I'm going to ask you about your coaching and your experience. Did you coach male or female teams? I've coached both. um, And I prefer females because personally, I think that the gender of your team is, should be the gender of the coach. Can I ask you why you think that? Oh, absolutely. In full openness, I've coached girls that have been five years old to 18. Those that want to go on to college and get scholarships. So five to AAU. Let's take 11-year-old girl, and we know what that means if you're 11, 12, 13, what that's going to be like. The last thing you want is a male telling you what to do. So in order to break down that, that barrier with communication, girls have to trust you. There's no question. And that's one thing. I have a daughter and a son, so I've had one of each that I can you know, focus back on, but I've, I've coached way before I had children. And it's been wonderful experience. Boys, you have to treat totally different. Now I can bark orders at them and they'll react and that's going to be fine. They're much more simplistic athletes than females. Females at that age, to be able to get them to trust you takes a lot more of the female psyche and psychology than just barking things. Because that's why I coach from a positive standpoint. I was coaching against a team and this other coach was male and it was one of the girl's dads. And he just berated and embarrassed. See, that's the thing with teenage girls. Don't embarrass Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And he yelled at her and wrote her verbally during the whole game. Now, I don't know how many girls basketball games you've gone to, but they do not attract the same audience at that age as boys games. So whatever you say is going to echo in a gym. And this girl was to the verge of tears. She could do nothing right. And he berated her and we, and we were beating them, you know, like 60 to 30. I, I tried my best. I, my third string was in, I did everything I could, but the manner in which he worked with her and, and wrote her, I detested so much so that after the game, I, I had my assistant coach go to my team and I went straight to that player and I opened up my arms and I hugged her at half court because it was just awful to see how she was treated. And my heart just breaks for these girls, no matter what sport, that their coaches made something that they love to be horrific for them. And it's just sad. And I never want to be that person. So that's why I coach from a positive standpoint. If you were to ever see me coach a basketball game, no matter what age, you're going to hear me egging them on from a positive standpoint. Where to go, Allie? This is what you need to do. You know, all of these other things. Um, I'm so proud of you. Way to get in there. You know, it's all different things throughout the whole game. And my voice will echo throughout the whole gym, but you're going to hear positive things. And that's the parents of my players. They expect that. 
I expect that of myself. I, I want to be held at a higher standard because I want the sport that I coach with any female to be a positive, not a negative, because there's so many things to learn through about life through basketball. And I bring that same sort of working with dental teams the same way. I'm not going to ride a girl that's a financial coordinator. Let's take that, for example. If she's having problems actually finding out why insurance isn't paying or a patient paying their bill, let me ask harder questions that uncover the true issue, the, the true symptom to what's happening, not do this, just do this. There's more to it than just saying, just do this. We're, you know, it's more than Nike, it's more than a logo and a tag. You need to find out what's the, what's the bottleneck. What's happening? Is it something that maybe she needs more help in? It could be a myriad of things, but it takes, it takes a different person to stand back and go, what is really the issue here? And how do we solve this problem? Now, taking this and relating it to dentistry, do you find that you relate better with male dentists and owners or female? Or is there any difference at this point? For me, there's a difference in how I communicate with, with each one. It just depends on their own personality. But I, I have, it's 50-50 for me um, with each gender. So you don't see bias anymore in the practice? Bias how? How people treat a female dentist versus a male dentist? Well, no. How you as a female are treated by a male dentist versus a female dentist. Now, I will say a lot of the clients that I work with, half the time, I feel like there's a lot of couch time with me because if I'm going to impact your life in the business world or your, your practice, I need to know what's going on in your personal life too. So I, I almost feel like I should have gotten a psychology degree as well, <laughs> but I love that part. Um, I, I love helping them in, in all different areas. So the, um, there's really not a disparity of how I work with each. I just need to find out how they think. And then from that standpoint, then I curtail and, and my communication is going to be different for each doctor. Um, case in point, one of the first things I ask a new client is, did you enjoy organic chemistry? <laughs> and that puts me on a different path. Am I talking to a chem person or a bio person? Because I know how to talk to those personalities because at the heart of me, MJ is a STEM girl. So I get it. So you, you, you're trying to figure out their disc profile or their, their personality type right away by asking that question, because that is absolutely spot on with what kind of personality you're dealing with. Absolutely. Great question. It can be, it can be disc. It can, it's just one of those things in the past, I used to be um, in sales when I was in transportation and logistics. So to me, I'm already thinking, what's the next thing that I'm going to ask? but it's got to be relatable and I've got to string them together so that they can understand, Hey, I can help you with your problem. And if I can't, I'll find the person for you, for you to talk to that can help you with your problem. Very good. Tell us one thing that people would be surprised to know about you. That's a good question. I would say most people would be surprised to learn that when I was in college, um, I used to model. Oh, very cool. I did a lot of commercials and print ads. Wow, that's awesome. That's very cool. <laughs> I, I don't think we've had anybody on the show that's been on. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Deb Carrier. She was a model also. Oh, well, yeah, she's a whole lot taller than I am, too. I, you know, I got my dad's 6'4". And by the time I was 5'8", I was waiting for that next, you know, push in high school where everybody else got taller. And that did not happen to me at all. Unfortunately. <laughs> 
I'm still 5'2". I'll always be 5'2". Well, maybe I'll shrink as I get older, but I hope not <laughs> anyway. No, 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 no shrinkage. No. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. So who in dentistry inspires you? Is there anybody in the business side of dentistry in, in the clinical side? Is there somebody that inspires you in dentistry? I would say that who inspires me in dentistry are, um, it's not just one person. It's the dentist that realizes they need help and they actually reach out for help because, you know, I got to honor that because it takes a lot of guts to be able to say, I don't know the answer because I know perfection is always the goal, especially when you're a dental student. And to be able to say, I don't know the answer, that shows some vulnerability. And I got to honor that when I get that phone call. That's one of the first things I say is thank you for reaching out. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Now, if there's any obstacles that you've overcome in your life, would you like to share and how you overcame them? Oh, my gosh. Um, probably the biggest obstacle. Um, and I will talk about this all day long. So rein me in, MJ, because when I tell you what it is, you're going you're gonna to realize where I can go with that. I've always felt like I've had to reinvent myself depending on where I was with, within my, my timeline, my work timeline. But the one thing that really got my attention and is really part of who I am now is my fertility issues of trying to get pregnant with my, with my first child. I went through IVF and I was a patient at my fertility doctor for over four, four years trying to get all this taken care of. Thankfully, I'm very blessed with my daughter. That was the one that was conceived with IVF. And then my son, 15 minutes or 15 months later, that I did not have to pay for it like that. So I'm very happy that it only took one. <laughs> to get the body moving. Very, very, yeah. It, well, that, yeah, there were some other issues too, but it's, it's one of those where you, you learn perseverance and faith really fast. And don't pray for patience. Please, please do not pray for patience because that is not the right way to go because it'll take you a really long time. <laughs> Uh, I, I remember those days. Well, I, I myself had some issues uh, with that and I'm blessed with one daughter, but that was it. And that's fine. You know, I, I must say that if I was only going to have one, she was the perfect child and just a great young woman today. Now she has two little kids. And so, you know, I get to live vicariously through her and enjoy my grandkids now, which I just adore. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm so far away from that. My firstborn is in nursing school. And are you familiar with forensic nursing? Yeah, yeah. That's what she wants to be. She wants to get her doctorate in that. And she said, you know, mom, when they come in the ER, I want to be the one to take care of my patient. So she's right on the path of doing that. And then my son uh, entered um, Clarkson University this year to study civil engineering. And he's got straight A's and he's all excited. So Oh my gosh, that's wonderful. So empty nester then. Yeah, that's, that's a different season altogether. Oh my gosh. It was hard to get accustomed to. If I told you that I was comfortable with it now, I would be lying. Every day is a little different, especially with COVID and what's going on at, at each of their campuses. And are you going to have to come home early? Or are you not? And then of course, Nicholas going through that his senior year of high school, it, it wasn't a typical senior year at all. No, any, anything. Nothing. Uh, I, I, my heart just broke for my students last year when they didn't have graduation. And it looks like this year we're not going to have graduation again. And so it's so sad. I, 
I know that once we get through all of this, although, you know, the more I read, the more I realize that this is kind of the new normal and we're going to be in this in, for a very long time. But it's going to be quite some time before we're able to have a large event like this, even though it might be outside, a large event like this where, you know, you've got people crammed in and trying to celebrate their children. Uh, it's really sad. I will say that his, um, his high school, he went to a, a governor's school in Virginia. That just think of the really ultra smart kids. That's where they end up going. It's the easiest way to explain it. <laughs> and they did the best that they could with graduation because we were allowed to take all the pictures we wanted to. He, he walked across the stage in his cap and gown, you know, shook hands. We, we did everything with that. But then walking down the stairs at the front of the school, all of the teachers had cowbells and they were screaming and yelling at each graduate that walked down the stairs. So it was truly a graduation, uh, very unique to what I had when I graduated high school, but at least he had something. And I know, you know, you, you get to see people's true creativity when they have to, you know, when they're pushed to that kind of limit with that. And COVID certainly has done that for everybody. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Now, when you reflect back, do you consider yourself a confident person? Were you always confident when you were younger? Or is that something that you've gained over time? You know, that is a very interesting question, because I'm always going to say I was a confident woman. But let me explain why. I was raised in a household where my mom's a nurse and dad was a chemist. And mom always raised my sister and I that we could do whatever we wanted to do. And I know we started this talking about me being a twin and I'm, I'm the second born baby B and baby B's are not supposed to be the dominant ones. So I bucked the system on being the dominant one. So my sister would just sit back and watch me do everything, stand up first, walk first, you know, all the first I did, but she would watch me. And then I guess she figured once she watched me do it enough, she would do it, but she would be the second one to do it. So I've always been the confident one that I've never, I've never said I can't do something. In fact, I hate that word. I won't let any basketball player say can't in front of me or they'll run. So that, that's a different story altogether. But that's one of those things. I've, it's, it's a limiting belief that I've never had. That is outstanding because so many of us develop those limiting beliefs very early in our, our, our childhood. And so kudos to your parents, because obviously they created an environment for you and your sister where you're, you were able to shine and do those things. That's one thing I, I say, mom, even though, you know, mom and dad are, are still married today, but dad traveled so much that mom really, she really pushed us with that and said, you want to do that? Okay, go right ahead. And I never, I never heard you'll get hurt or that'll or worry about this, worry about that. She let us get bumps and bruises, literally. And then when we got scraped, she fixed us up being the fantastic nurse that she is. And, uh, you know, it was just a wonderful environment. That's awesome. It's nice to reflect back on our childhood, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, we were, I mean, in today's standards, I wouldn't say that we were spoiled, but we, we definitely were loved. We were definitely wanted. My dad, I, he says this to so many people, he'll go, well, you know, I thought it was going to be one big boy. And then he was all excited because here in Richmond, Virginia, when my sister and I were born, there was a company that if you bought your baby furniture and you you had twins and you weren't uh, supposed to have twins or it was a surprise, then you got a second one of the furniture for free. So he always tells people that story. I'm like, dad, that is just 
weird. Why do you always tell people that story? But that's a dad thing, right? Right. It is a dad thing, you know, because he saved some money for the team. Exactly. And then, of course, I turned around and went, but you had two college, you know, two colleges to pay for. And and you had one wedding because my sister is single currently. So, you know, I said, way to save that money, dad, a dresser in a crib. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm sure he loves those conversations. So much so. (laughs) Do you have a personal model or a mantra that you live by? Oh, yeah. Play each possession of the ball. Hmm. So elaborate on on that for different scenarios. So like, okay, in business, let's, let's just talk about it from a business perspective. From a business standpoint, I mean, to me, play each position of the ball or possession of the ball means you got to be concerned about the small stuff. It's not just the bigger things that need your attention. It's the everyday foundational things that you do. So let's take um, account receivables in a practice. You need to be, make sure that every single claim is a clean claim and it's sent and you're actually following that on the reports when you're supposed to be following the reports to make sure that it got paid. If it didn't get paid, why didn't it get paid? And sending that statement immediately to the patient so that you shorten that account receivable system as short as possible so you increase your cash flow. It's not just the bigger thing saying, oh, well, I'm going to have this for my AR. How do you break that down into manageable bites? And what do those steps or those bites, what do you do with that? Um, how does it relate to everything else? So that's one of the things that you you can be concerned about the bigger picture, but the bigger picture is created by a much uh, smaller concentration of everything else that goes underneath. All right. So uh, how about personal life? I think that's more relationships. I think for that, it's when I am the most frustrated and because I work out of my home office, if I'm really frustrated here, I can't take it. And when the kids were home and go off on the kids or go off on my husband, you know, it's got to stay where it's at transfer of aggression from a psychology standpoint, but it, every little thing matters. So if, you know, I've heard so many people MJ say, we treat those around us that are closest to us the worst. And when we have that on the forefront of our brain to be able to say, I'm not going to do that. Why am I going to take my aggression out on somebody else that has nothing to do with the situation? You know, it, it's, it's every little step makes a difference. It's great advice. Absolutely great advice. When you look back on, you know, some of the earlier practices that you helped, you know, what are the, the key takeaways that, that you can share with the audience that they should be paying attention to? And if they're struggling in these areas that they know that they should be looking out for help. I know that was a long drawn out sentence that, kind of a run on, but I was just trying to think through it at the time I was asking. I think you were talking about somebody basically struggling in their practice. Mm -hmm. I think it it boils down to, you've got to ask yourself, identify what are you struggling with? Specifically, Mm -hmm. what are you struggling with? I mean, obviously it sounds like in your example, more of the business side of things, Well, what is it that's happening? And reach out for help because there's too many people, too many great people out there in the dental community that can help you. And I think some dentists think, well, I don't want to pay for, you know, full-on consulting. I just have one question. There's so many magazines, articles, different things. Do a Google search, find out because there's so much information out there that you're not going to have to pay somebody for simple information like that, if it's a simple thing. But I think one of the things that I've really pushed 
uh, dental students is to get more information on the business side of things. And what will it mean? Because your clinical is already taken care of in dental school. I mean, you're a perfect person. You already know this. And I'm sure you teach it to your wonderful students that, and that are so blessed to have you to be able to explain these things, to, to make those connections for them because they're so focused on perfection. You don't have to be perfect because you don't have all the answers. We're human and we fail. So how, how do you pick yourself up and go on? That's probably a better lesson to be learned than trying to be perfect because no one's going to be perfect. One of the, the things I do talk to them about is that don't ever try to hide a mistake because you get into worse situations by trying to hide something. It's better to just be honest and come clean and say, you know, this happened, it was an accident. I, I am going to rectify it. I just want to let you know that, that, that this, whatever it was happened, you know, whether it's, you know, hitting the tongue when you, when it's numb and you know, with a burr, you know, I mean, all those things have happened, you know, so you have to deal with it. Uh, it's, it's, they are truly accidents. I don't think ever anybody is ever intending to hurt anybody else. So um, just managing it, you know, managing expectations, I think is critically important. One of the things I find a lot of uh, dentists love to do is they'll compare themselves to others. Mm. And whether it be social media paints a particular picture or other things. And I just wrote on um, last month's Coach's Corner, which is a newsletter that I do every month on about dentists comparing themselves. And, and I know I'm not the originator of this quote, but I was talking about it with my husband and, and he works in a completely different field. And he said, you know, Lynn, comparison, comparing yourselves to somebody else, it's, it, uh, what did he say? It's, it's the thief of joy. And I thought about that and I'm like, you know, Steve, that's really deep. And now I'm gonna have to give you credit and that's gonna really stink because I gotta give Steve credit, but however. <laughs> He's very smart in this conversation, um, but it really, it's a, it's a thief of joy because just because you do something a certain way or your practice has this much production, of course, it's about production, right? Oh, I have this million or this. It, there's, especially with COVID, we've learned that there's something more than money. It's the happiness of how we want to practice different things about dentistry now, because I know that's made a lot of my clients rethink how they're practicing dentistry. So don't let comparison be the thief of your joy. Absolutely love that. So tell Steve, thank you so much. Oh, great. Now, thanks, MJ. Now I got to do that. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We do have to give them credit when they, when they do something like that, obviously. Anything else you want to share with the audience that you want them to know? You know, you're not alone. Everything that you're facing, um, somebody else is either facing currently with you or has in the past. So there is no reason for you to feel less than, and there's no reason for you to feel like you can't conquer whatever is in front of you. That's so true. I mean, you know, it just, it, it just means asking for help. Uh, you already brought that up and being courageous enough to do so. Absolutely. Lynn, I can't thank you enough. This has been a great conversation. I have enjoyed it tremendously. If anybody wants to reach you, how do they find you? Um, probably the, the easiest is going to um, look on my website, which is victorydentalmanagement.com. There's a contact form there that they can get in touch with me, or they can send me an email, which would be Lynn, L-Y-N-N-E, at five letters, because my twin has five letters, so that's why the E on the end, uh, Lynn at victorydentalmanagement.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lynn. I appreciate your time and all of your insight. 
Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.